You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Well, good morning, everybody. It's so good to be in the city of Cork. It's good to see you all. Good to be here. And uh, again, welcome everyone in Cafe Church. Uh, Obviously, the people up on this floor tend to have their heads in the clouds a bit more. And people in Cafe Church tend to be more down to earth. Wait for it. You'll get it. But uh, happy Mother's Day. Wow, Mother's Day. Yeah, absolutely. I love me mammy. And I love me mother-in-law. I love me wife. I'm surrounded by mothers. Although I did, I love that song, you know, Until Beneath the Clay, because I told my mother-in-law shortly after we got married that when, when she'd passed away, when her time came, which I you know, pray wouldn't be for a very, very long time, I said that uh, I was going to bury her upside down. <laughs> and she thought, well, why would you do such a bizarre thing? And I thought, just in case you're still alive and you're trying to claw your way out, you claw your way down <laughs> rather than clawing your way up. And so I want to honor all mothers in this room. Only joke. But uh, I, I love this church. I don't know if you know this, but you're part of one of the greatest churches in the whole island, the whole nation of Ireland. And uh, Grace Church isn't just a church reaching a city, it's a church that's influencing a nation. Uh, and you know, what God has done here over the years and what God is doing here uh, really inspires and encourages and challenges uh, churches like ours, uh, way up the country and even beyond uh, we, where we are, um, with, with just, with just the, the courage and the audacity and the creativity uh, to do things a bit different, to do things in a way that's Irish and to do things in a way that reaches all people but also reaches uh, Irish people. I want to encourage you guys that you know, don't take for granted where you're planted. Don't take for granted where you're rooted. That God has put you, not just in any church, but in a great church. You have some of the best leaders uh, in the country. Tom and Denise and Michael and the entire team are some of the you know, most amazing people that we have. And you know, just a side note, this is not my message. You know, in the book of Ephesians, you know, the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Ephesus and he says that God gives people to churches as gifts. And today we're not just celebrating uh, the wedding anniversary uh, of two of your leaders, but we're celebrating the fact that God, gave, God, God knew what he was doing yeah. when they got married. Do you think God didn't, you think God makes mistakes or his coincidences? You think them getting married on McCurtain Street 37 years ago was like, God went, oh, I didn't realize that happened. Wow, what a coincidence. No, God knew what he was doing. And so I want to take a moment just to honor and celebrate all of your leaders, all of the team, everyone here who, is, who put, you know, sacrifices, put their li- puts, puts their lives on the line to make this work. We celebrate them today and just say, come on, we love you guys. So blessed. I love you guys. And you make me better. And if I was in Cork, I'd come to this church. But I'm not, so I go to a different church. Uh, and our church sends greetings too. You know, uh, Lighthouse Church uh, loves Grace Church. Uh, we are distant cousins of yours. Not the awkward ones, they're somewhere else. <laughs> they're over in the west side somewhere. Um, we're the cousins that you like to have around at Christmas. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, like Tom said, my family are here. Um, I got three, three boys, Joshua, who's here in the front row. I found a bag of sweets somehow, I don't know where I came you from. See nothing. I see nothing. No, I won't tell his mother, she's not here. No. Uh, she's not here for next service. And uh, two other boys, a six-year-old and a five-year-old, Davi and Isaiah. And, uh, and basically, I wasn't raised, you know, in the, in the Christian faith in this sense. I was raised in, in the traditional sense. And uh, I, I never really, you know, had, had grew up with a concept that God could love me or God had a call for me or a purpose for me until my wife, who was a missionary, uh, began to preach the gospel to me uh, and share with me that God had a plan for my life, that despite my mess and my brokenness and my sin and despite the complexity of my family situation, that God could still use me. And so when I was 16 years old, while playing rugby in Heidelberg, Germany, 
Germany, long story from the other day, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And in that moment, he completely transformed me. He transformed me so much that most of my family now walk with the Lord. My dad, my uncle, my mother, two of my brothers. One of my brothers works on staff with me and you know, oversees the youth for a network of churches that were part of called CCI. A um, whole bunch of my friends got saved. And obviously what we're doing in Navin and Dublin and all the dif- different things we had to do uh, around the country uh, is, a, is a direct result of that one encounter with Jesus. So I just don't know uh, who's here today who has yet to encounter Jesus like I encountered him. But here's what I do know, that if we're willing to open our hearts, if we're willing to take a chance, if we're willing to take a risk, that just maybe uh, God can do something incredible in this place uh, today. So I come to you not as someone who was raised in this or came from this. I come to you as someone who was, who was I'm still broken, but was once very broken without God. Uh, now I'm broken, but healing with God uh, and on a journey with him to try to tell as many people about what he's done for me. And today, when I was praying and thinking about coming to grace and what could I share with you guys, I really felt the Lord put in my heart uh, this idea of struggle. I want, I want to talk to you today about struggle. And, and regardless of where you are, maybe you're in the middle of a struggle right now, maybe you've just gone through a season of struggle, or maybe you're about to go into a season of struggle. All of us are human beings, and therefore all of us share this one thing in common. We will struggle. Maybe, right here, maybe, maybe, maybe one of the reasons why you're here today is because you are struggling. And I want to say welcome. You are in the right place. Church is not a place for perfect people. Amen. Church is a place for, for ordinary people you know, who are called by God to extraordinary purpose. And, and even, even those who have microphones and have an extra 40 inches of height, we're no different to anyone else in this room. We're just, just as in need of Jesus today, uh, and I am as I was at the beginning, and I will be tomorrow and the rest, the re- for the rest of my life. You're in the right place today. So as I was thinking about this, I really felt the Lord uh, lead me to talk to you today about, about this message that I've called a strategy for struggle. What do you do when you're struggling, which is kind of interesting because you think about the title, Strategy for Struggle. I mean, who really wants a strategy for struggle? I mean, if we're honest today, we don't want to struggle. <laughs> I don't want to struggle, and I don't want a strategy for struggle. Talk to you about something else. What we really want deep down is we, is we want success. Whatever success may mean to you, maybe it's success in a marriage, success in terms of your studies, success in terms of that job opportunity you need, success in terms of a, of a medical report you're hoping for. All of us, even though we struggle, we don't want struggle, we don't welcome struggle, and even as Tom prayed after the worship, we, we don't want to embrace the fact that a lot of times that God might use our struggles. No, what we want is we want a strategy for success. But did you know that struggle and struggling is actually a vital component in our walk with God? Uh, Dr. Orson Sweat Martin, who is a very uh, well-known leadership author, if you've never heard of this guy, Wikipedia him later, read his story, it'll encourage you if you're struggling. He said this about success. He said, success is not measured by what you accomplish, but by the opposition you have encountered and the courage with which you have maintained the struggle against overwhelming odds. Now, he was American, but he sounds Irish, right? (laughs) Success is not whether or not you win the fight, it's how you fight. It's whether you turned up to the fight. It's who, who, you, who you became in the fight and, and who you become as a result of the fight. Here's something that we all, all agree on based on our own past experience. Life is hard. I mean, life is great, and, I, and I'm, I'm a more of a positive person. I love the crack, and I love seeing things in an optimistic way. I think if you're going to live in Ireland and live long in Ireland, you've got to learn to be optimistic. Yesterday, we were walking around the city, and one of my sons said, Why is it so cold, Dad? I said, you're Irish, my boy. Get used to it. I mean, why does it surprise you? 
It should be, oh, what a wonderful day it is. That should be a surprise. But the cold and the wet and the, and the gloom, that should be normal. And, if, we're, and if, if our disposition and our happiness is dependent on the sky, we're going to live very miserable lives. We're going to have our own internal weather system, which I believe by the Holy Spirit uh, can be a reality. But life is hard. Life is hard because we're, you know, relationships are hard. And because you know, you know, every time that we get up in the morning and we have to go through a routine, things are presented to us, whether it's traffic or whether it's uh, a particular situation at work or whether it's something going on in our health. You know, and sometimes life can go from hard to becoming downright impossible. And maybe you're here today and you're, you find yourself in a position where you're struggling to breathe. You're like, you're, 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 you were swimming through life not so long ago, but all of a sudden you're, you're tired or you're worn out or you're injured spiritually or emotionally and you find yourself drowning. You're asking the question, how can I survive this? I want to say to you, you're not alone in this because all of us go through and have gone through and will go through seasons of struggle. But here's what I've learned in my own times of struggle. That how we handle tough moments really matters. Why? Because how we handle tough moments can often determine important outcomes. In in, in other words, how we handle this current present moment, this current season, can actually have incredibly important consequences for later seasons, our later moments. Why? Because like Orison Sweat Martin said, it's not just what we achieve in life. I I don't think God is as interested, hear me out here, in what we achieve in life as he is interested in who we become in life. He's not impressed by our accolades, our successes, our diplomas, our, 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 our wage bracket, or what we drive, or our postcode, or what the size of our house. He's not, he's, not, he's not impressed by those things. What he is interested in, what he is committed to, is who we're becoming through these things. The you know, scriptures use a technical term, the word discipleship, to become more like Jesus. God is interested in this journey of life as to whether or not we're becoming more or less like Jesus. And ultimately, that's what we do as Christians. We're called to grow. I love the analogy of trees and fruit. We're called to, to grow. We're called to, to make a difference. And we're called, you know, ultimately in this Christian walk, to, to, be coming, to, to be becoming more like Jesus and less like our old selves, less like the world. But growth comes at a price. There's a great book you can read on this by a guy called Sam Chand. Uh, he's a leadership author. And he wrote a book called Leadership Pain. Let me encourage you on Mother's Day. Read that book, Leadership Pain. What has Leadership Pain got to do with me today? Well, he, well, in his book, he talks about growth. and He talks about the growth cycle. And he says, all of us would say in, in various parts of our lives that we want growth. I want to grow this area. I want to grow in that area. But a lot of us, when we dig beneath the surface and discover what growth is and how growth comes, we, we kind of get surprised because growth comes with a price. Growth isn't easy. Growth, growth is necessary and growth is important. And God has called us to grow, but growth involves process. And here's how he kind of breaks down the process. He says, growth equals change. In order to grow, we've got to change some things. If I decide at the beginning of the year that I'm going to lose some weight, I want to grow in terms of my health, so I'm going to drop 10 kilos, well, then I've got to stop eating Krispy Kreme donuts. And I don't have those here, right? But our Dublin location, our Blanchestown location, is literally across the road from Krispy Kreme donuts. It is terrible. It is horrible. It, pray for us. You, know, you, don't, you don't want it here. <clears throat> Last weekend, we had a guest speaker, and uh, I, bought, I brought him out for dinner, and uh, I said, you know, let me bring him across to Krispy Kreme donuts. And, and I went in. And of course, I'm telling myself, you're not going to eat one. 
you're not going to eat one. You're going to say no. The grace of God teaches to say no to all things. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, 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 it's not going to happen. And, and, and I get in there and there's this big long queue. And I think, oh, thank God, there's a queue. Enough time to win the mental battle before I get to the till. Eventually we're chatting and I, and I get, you know, about, about three or four people away from the till. And this staff member, like all angelic-like, I'm sure there was a light behind them, appears out of nowhere and says, excuse me, sir, would you like to try a free donut straight <laughs> from the belt? And I'm like, no. And so literally she goes over and she peels off this donut and she gives it to me. And I hold it, it's like, you know, bread of life. It's like, what, what do I, it's, I have, this, I have this, this epiphany moment, like, you know, like, as if Jesus were among us in the flesh. It was just crazy. And I try to pass it off, be the polite thing, but I just can't seem to let go of it. So eventually I hand it over and I go, thank God, I turn around, there's another one. I'm like, oh my gosh, this person's handing out these free donuts. So I'm like, okay, here's what I'll do. I'll eat this one, right? But then when I get to the till, I'm not going to order another one, right? And I said, no, I want to lose some weight. I'm not going to do this. And so I get, so I, I get this donut. And listen, by the way, it was, it was warm. It was, it was like candy floss. It just disappeared into my mouth. Flavors. I mean, it was just incredible. Um, so I eat that. It didn't last very long. I get to the till. And then, of course, my friend orders whatever he wants. I'm like, I'm not going to order, I'm not going to. And then all of a sudden, I see this caramel, uh, you know, white chocolate thing. And I just go, you know what? There's no use. I give up. Give me one of those and one of those. <coughs> and so I went over and I had my three donuts and I had my cup of coffee. And then I felt really guilty afterwards. I thought, maybe I should go to church and beat myself up for a while. I don't know. <laughs> but the point is this. If we're going to grow, if we're going to achieve success, whatever that means to us today, you know, joking aside in terms of weight loss, then we need to change some things. But change always involves loss. It involves giving up some things or letting go of some things. And loss always equals pain. Therefore, Sam Chand concludes, growth equals pain. If we're going to grow, then we're going to have to go through pain. Now, here's what I want you to understand today, church. Pain is not our enemy. Our enemy has a name, and his name is not pain. He has another name. Sometimes he will leverage our pain. Sometimes he will manipulate our pain. Sometimes, and very oftentimes, he will use our pain. But the pain itself is not the enemy. In fact, I think, you know, after you know, pastoring for 11 years in this nation, uh, perhaps the greatest enemy, the greater enemy, is not pain itself, but our inability or unwillingness to face pain. And to walk through pain and to ask the most important question, God, what are you doing with my pain, in my pain, and eventually through my pain? See, here's what I've learned about myself. It's my reluctance to face pain. That's my greatest limitation. Why? Because as Sam Chan said, there's no growth without change, no change without loss and no loss without pain. Therefore, our capacity for pain is actually in a large way a growth ceiling. You know, if we, if we can't face the pain of responsibility, then we probably can't face uh, the pain of, 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 of being a parent or, or celebrating 37 years. Do you think 37 years of marriage is easy? Tell the truth, Denise, come on. <laughs> Confess your sins. Here we go. <laughs> Have you seen Tom? Hello. Come on. I know it's not been easy. My wife's hanging in there after 14. You know what I'm saying? It's... It's tough going. There's some great moments and there's some not so great moments. Marriage is more than a feeling. It's more than emotion. It's more than a romantic fling. It's a commitment. And uh, I got married when I was 18 years old. I think I've told you before that I, 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 I finished my leaving cert in June. Then August came around. I got baptized on a Tuesday. I got my leaving cert results on a Wednesday. I got married on a Thursday. 
Yeah, what are you waiting for, guys? Come on. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day! <laughs> but I remember my, my mother, very concerned, you know, sat me down and thought, like, you're, you're mad. And I said, yeah, why does that surprise you? You know, you always knew that. And uh, she said, but like, you know, the, you know, you own a bicycle. You know what I'm saying? Like, you've never had, you know, any responsibility. How are you going to all of a sudden launch yourself into this lifelong commitment. And I said, you know, I really thought about this, which was, you know, de- demonstrative of maturity. I, I, I realized that, you know, I'd never had a mortgage or never held down, a, you know, a, a job long term. I never really practiced this thing of, you know, responsibility. But I knew what I, when I was saying yes in my vows, what I was saying yes to. I was prepared to give my life to it. And 14 years later, here we are. And so if we're going to grow and experience the fruits of growth, then we've got to understand that sometimes our capacity for pain can be a great limitator. In fact, let me say this to you today, you know, in another sense, in terms of God's call for your life. Oftentimes, when you read scripture, what you find is the bigger the call in your life, the greater the pain you have to endure. The bigger the call that God has in your life and the, and, and the extent to which he'll use you, require God to use seasons of pain and struggle to build necessary character and foundation into the roots of who you are to withstand the challenges that that call will bring. So as a church, we understand that pain is not our enemy. We need to embrace pain. We just survive the struggle. We just face opposition, as Sweat Marden said. Why? Because here's what I believe. Here's my premise. Here's, my, here's my, 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 my faith goal for us today. I believe in a God who can turn our opposition into great opportunity. I believe in a God who says, listen to this, not that he causes bad things. I think Romans 8.28 is very clear. God does not cause bad things. God is not playing some evil game of manipulation with our lives. No, no, no. But that he works for our good in all things. So even things that happen to us, challenge us, and hurt us, and try to tear us apart. And even though the enemy will jump in there and leverage those moments every single time we worship and serve and love a God who is good. It's his character, it's his nature. And no matter how difficult or how bad our situation is today, friend, let me tell you, somehow, way, God is working in your opposition to turn it into an opportunity. And one of the things that I love about the scriptures is that, is that, you know, when I first came to faith and I was very skeptical and I was very suspicious, sussing all these boys out, what's going on in this place? Maybe you're one of those guys just trying to suss out what's happening here today. That's really, really good. It's good to think, isn't it? And use your brain. And so I was kind of wondering, you know, really suspicious of this church and Bible. And sure, this Bible thing was written by a few boys to make a few quid and, you know, nothing more than a clever, you know, uh, uh, you know, trick or whatever. But as I got into it, one of the things that surprised me was if you're going to invent a cult, Here's some advice from a pastor trying to invent a cult. If you're going to invent a cult, then, then leave out all the difficult bits, yeah. right? Leave out all the bits that don't really suit the story. Leave out all the bits that leave you vulnerable, that create questions, that don't really line up. And one of the things that surprised me was when I read the scriptures for myself, I found loads of examples that didn't make sense because they were real. They weren't fairy tale like They involved pain and struggle and failure. And if I was writing the Bible, I would have wrote it a little bit differently. But it's because it's true and because the characters are true that we have these stories. And one of my favorites, in fact, uh, you know, Tom's actually quoted 2 Corinthians 12, which is, right, which is a little bit of poor, little scripture, poor scripture I want to read to you today, which is the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul, I mean, you guys have probably heard of the Apostle Paul. Some say he's, he's the second most important character in history after Jesus himself. Because not only, did he, not only was he responsible for bringing the gospel message to the Gentiles, which, by the way, is all of us. Hello. 
So we wouldn't be, we wouldn't have faith more than likely if it wasn't for how God used Paul to bring, you know, the, the gospel from just strictly Jew, a Jewish audience to a Gentile, non-Jewish audience, but also because he is responsible for writing most of what we have in our New Testament. And you'd expect this great man of God who, you know, did all these great exploits to have like this perfect story of overcoming everything and, and God being enough in every situation and being completely pain-free. But I love in 2 Corinthians 12 when Paul gives us just a moment of vulnerability as he opens up his heart, as he rolls up his sleeves and shows us some of his scars. Not just his pain, but also how he found faith and how God got him through that pain. In 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, he said this. And in context, what's happening here is, is what we've already read the verse in verse 7. There's this tormentor of Satan, whatever that means, that has been sent to, 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 to cause pain in the Apostle Paul's life. And three times we're told, he said, God, take it away. And God wouldn't take it away. In fact, God didn't even answer. When Paul prayed three times, God, take it away. God's response to, to Paul's request to take it away in verse 9 was, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, my grace is enough for you. Grace is it. Grace is all you need. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Which I think is brilliant. Why? Because think about this. How many times have we found ourselves in difficult situations and we, and we said or prayed, God, I wish this were over. I wish this would be finished. I wish I'd get out. I wish you could take this away. I wish, I wish this pain would go away. And very often we expect God to say, okay. And the pain goes away. But more often than not, God's response is, my, what, what, what I give you, what I've put within you, the person of the Holy Spirit, that if you're a person of faith that it dwells in your heart, the resource of who I am is greater than the size of your struggle. Amen. And there's something about this struggle that, that is necessary for our growth and for our journey as Christ followers. I'm not saying that Paul enjoyed this or, or he, he loved this, but he did understand this. And therefore he says, Continuing in the text, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses. Why? So that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness. Very often God won't change our circumstance, but one of the greatest gifts God can give us in a season of struggle is he'll change our perspective. He'll give us the gift of perspective. He'll allow us to see things as he sees things. And when we, even just for a moment, get a glimpse of how he sees things, even though nothing changes, very often everything can change. Maybe today, for some of you, I'm, I'm, I'm praying for the power and the gift of perspective. But Paul's perspective changes, and therefore his motive changes, and all of a sudden he says he can delight in weaknesses, in insults, and in hardships, and persecutions, in difficulties. Which, by the way, I don't know what you're going through. You know, I don't know, you know if it's the girl that doesn't text you back, or the, fact, or the fact that that person did not follow you back on Instagram. I know you may think it's the same as insults, hardships, persecutions, stonings, beatings, and murderings. <laughs> It's not, okay? It's not. I know it's like, no, but you understand this girl. I, I totally understand. It's not. It matters. It's important, but it's not the same. The Apostle Paul is talking about literally people wanting to murder him. I don't know about you guys here. I don't, I don't think anyone in this room needs you know, has someone out to, out to murder them. If you do, talk to your pastors afterwards and they'll pray for you. <clears throat> but his situations are bad. And he can say that it, despite all those challenges, here's, here's his concluding statement I think is so powerful. He says, when I am weak then I am strong. In other words, I've realized that when I come to the end of myself, that's where God begins. It's when I, have, when I am no longer able to manufacture my own destiny that now I have to put faith in God and his promises for my life. Which I think is a great principle, you know, just a side note, because I think one of the things that I have learned over the years is that people don't relate to our strengths. 
don't, they don't relate to our gifts. Our gifts are what make us unique. Certain people have similar gifts to us and, certain, and similar personalities to us. So certain people will be able to relate to you based on your personality and gifts. But everyone can relate to your weaknesses. Everyone can identify with your struggle. Everyone can understand the human reality of pain. And the Apostle Paul was no different. We are told that literally he was tormented by it. And he was willing to show it to us so that through it we might see God. And I wonder today for you, whatever you're going through, how God might use the struggle you're in to show himself to other people around you. The gift of perspective. And so here's what I want to do. I want to give you three practical things because I don't want to just leave it out there. You know, good luck. All the best with that. You know, happy Mother's Day. Enjoy your pain. Now, I really believe that God wants to give us something practical to help us. And so a lot of this comes out of of a season that I went through last year in my own life. I'll reference that again in a minute. Where I went through one of the most difficult time in my life just last year. And uh, it's so funny because, you know, it's when our faith is tested that we know if it's real. And, uh, and here's just three practical things that I want to give you that really helped me in my season of struggle. Three strategies for struggle. Here's the first one. You ready? Yeah. One person's ready. What about the rest of you? Coming to? Yeah. Good. Okay. A few more with me. You will struggle a lot, but you don't have to struggle alone. Amen. I can guarantee you're going to struggle a lot, but you don't have to struggle alone. Again, scripture is filled with stories and examples of this. Take, for example, Elijah. Elijah was an, was an Old Testament prophet. I mean, God used this guy to do some pretty amazing things. And after one of the climaxes of his life, one of the most powerful moments in his life, uh, we find him in his most vulnerable state. And Elijah does the worst thing that you can do when you're struggling. And that is this. The one friend that he had, the one pal, the one amigo in his life, Elisha, when he found himself struggling, basically we're told that Elijah sent Elisha away. He isolated himself. He withdrew for community. He, he broke his ties. He felt like no one could understand him or no one could help him or no one could identify what he was going through. And so he, he removed himself to a lonely place. If you read the story, it continues that that caused a downward spiral in his mental health to the point where he found himself actually suicidal. This incredible leader who God was using was now all of a sudden suicidal. Elijah found himself in that place because he had no friends. And I want to encourage you today, if you're in a place where you have no friends, there's friends in this place. People who want to be your friend. I want to be your friend. We're not called to struggle alone. Also, we have the example of Job, another Old Testament character. And Job is different to Elijah because where Elijah had no friends, Job had friends, but they were just bad friends. And not all friends are friends. And so Job's story is, is a terrible one. He loses his family. He loses his business. He loses his estate. Uh, you know, he, he gets so depressed that his wife, who survives all this, she gets to a point of, of saying, you know, I just wish you'd hurry up and die already. Not, not in a metaphorical sense. I know that sometimes we have squabbles in the kitchen and sometimes utensils are thrown. Was that just my family? I, just thought it was, yeah. I know sometimes we say things we don't mean, but in the context, Job's wife was literally like, I just wish you would die. I cannot bear to see you in this misery for another day. And so most of the book of Job is his three friends getting around him and just filling his head with nonsense. You've got to be careful who you surround yourself with. Why? Because who you're running with will determine where you're running to. And of course, you have the apostle Paul, who, where Elijah had no friends and Job had bad friends, Paul had crazy friends. Friends that would go to prison with him. 
Friends that even though they knew that going into this town and telling people about Jesus would lead to their, their, their attack and, 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 and suffering and stoning and all these things, still they went with him to the point where when he, when he wrote the book of Philippians, we're told that he was alone and abandoned. And these, these Christians in his church sent supplies and food and, and money to help take care of him. He went, through, he went through a lot, but he had great friends. And I want to encourage you, you need some crazy friends in your life. Good crazy friends. Crazy friends who encourage the call of God in your life. Crazy friends who will fight for your integrity, who will challenge you when you're, when you're tempted to compromise that integrity. Friends who will go literally to the gates of prison with you and maybe in, in with you, but for all the right reasons. Proximity is not intimacy. Sometimes we can, and you guys live in a city, we fall into this trap of we're constantly surrounded by people. We sit in cafes and restaurants. We sit in traffic. We sit in buses. We sit in planes and trains. We sit in church close to people. We're in proximity to people, but proximity does not create friendship. Intimacy does. Friendship requires more than proximity. It requires an intimacy, a getting to know, a journeying. It requires a sharing. It requires a doing life together. And I think the church... I think God knew what he was doing and he put us together in communion. And I think that we should be showing the world the greatest expression of friendship is when Christ followers live together in unity, Amen. in community. You know, I have a friend, his name is Sean Booth, and he leads a great church up in Dublin called Open Arms Church. And recently, Sean had a very serious accident that, you know, was, was life-threatening. And uh, he had a head injury, and you know we weren't sure at the beginning if, if it was gonna if it was gonna you know cost him his life or leave him severely damaged. But it was very very challenging. And myself and Sean, we're, we're good mates, we're good buds, we're good pals. I mean, uh, we actually grew up five miles away from each other, didn't know each other, but we grew up five miles away from each other. We both got married uh, very very young. And we both have three boys. We both lead churches. Um, and we've all these kind of similarities in our lives. And go, oh, that's why you're friends. No, no, it's not because of those things that we're friends. It's because about nine years ago, when I first came in contact with Sean, uh, he and his wife Gillian at the time were getting ready to move to South Africa because they believed they had a call of God in their life for Ireland. And they were serious about getting trained and prepared to do something about it in Ireland. And I thought, if that's where he's going, if that's who he's running to, I want to run with that guy. I want to I have a friend like that in my life. And so over the years, we just had this friendship. We meet up, we talk about our life, about our, our, you know, what it's like to you know, be men in Ireland and you know, marriage and kids and church and all these different things. So when last week, I was in a, or three weeks ago, I was in a leadership meeting. I had a guest speaker in town. We're sitting around Saturday night of all my leaders there. I get a text message that Sean has been really injured. I excuse myself from the meeting. I, I go outside, I phone his dad. Uh, and I said, what's going on? He tells me. And of course, you know, the shock of the moment, you're trying to process what's happening. So I'm like, okay, I'll call you back in an hour because I'm in a meeting uh, to get an update. You know, to see how he's doing. We'll pray for him. So I went back into the meeting and we all prayed and, and that was great. But as I sat down, it just dawned on me that I, I can't stay here. Like I know it's my meeting. I know it's my guests. I know it's my leaders. I know it's important that I'm here. But my friend yeah. needs me. And of course, I was thinking, but what can you do? You can't do anything. I mean, you're praying as we pray for that, that wonderful couple's uh, father. Um, you know, geographically, God, God can do anything. I don't need to be physically there for God to move, right? I can pray, and in Jesus' name, God's going to do something. But friendship needs geography. Friendship needs proximity. Friendship needs intimacy. So I excused myself. I jumped in the car, and I broke all sorts of world records down the M3 and on the M50, praying the angels of the Lord would help me and help everyone else in the way. 
And I uh, got to the hospital and went to the hospital. He wasn't there. <clears throat> Told me he's in the emergency site. Went to the emergency site. He wasn't there. He was in the resuscitation room. When I heard that, I was like, I have got to get in there. And they're like, we can't get you in there. because I got to get in there. We can't just got to get in there. And I said, well, well, who are you? I said, I'm his brother. <laughs> I, need to, I need to get in there. <laughs> I'm his brother from another mother. <laughs> but we share the same father. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and so Sean wakes up out of consciousness and he sees me. He goes, what are you doing here? And of course, being Irish, I'm like, I just wanted to see, could your head possibly swell anymore? Because <laughs> it usually does, you know what I'm saying? And so we're having the crack and we pray. And he said, I can't believe it. And I said, Sean, the reason why I'm here is because I know that if, if I were where you are, you would be where I am. Amen. Because we're friends. Amen. Do you know what saddens me as a pastor? There may be people in this room who don't have that kind of friendship. Yeah. Wow, Christianity is more than just turning up to a service on a Sunday, guys. If you don't have those kind of friendships in this church, you are missing out. And you, in your struggle, you will struggle alone. But it doesn't have to be that way. Find a few mates, have the crack. Before you go down the stairs today, go up the stairs today. Go up to go down and invest. Reach out, get to know some people. I don't know, no one cares. Well, maybe we start caring for someone else. I think, I think if I find myself in a hospital bed someday, I think Sean Booth will be there, won't he? Why? Because when he was the one suffering, I was there for him. Maybe today you can take a step into someone else's life and be the friend that you want to have one day in your life when you're struggling. You will struggle a lot. You only struggle alone. Secondly, we need to keep it personal without taking it personally. And, and just simply, all I'm saying with this is that we need to have thick skin, but tender hearts as Christians. You know, and not the, not the contrary. I meet so many Christians who are thick hearts and thick heads, to be honest with you, and tender skin. The simplest of things just offend them. And you know what? Let me just be honest with you. You're going to get offended in church. It's going to happen. When you take a diverse group like this and throw them in a room together for a while, and then, you know, put them in, in community together, and then do, do things together, someone's going to say or do or not say or do something that leads to offense. It's going to happen. However, offense does not need to become offense. The offense does not need to cut us off from each other and destroy our relationship. I want to encourage you to be a church of, of, of people who break down fences, who tear down walls, who whenever the enemy tries to segregate us and separate us, we're always the ones jumping over it. Because when in history has building a wall ever worked out for anyone? I'll just leave that hanging. <laughs> no comment. But one of the most important days in European history was the day the wall came down. Yeah. And I think in our church we've got to be careful because as much as physical walls present challenges, spiritual walls are far more powerful. You're, you know, we need to, to keep church personal. We need to be tender-hearted, soft-hearted, loving people. But not take things personally. You know, the wise prophet Bob Marley... He, he was a prophet, in my opinion. Yeah. <clears throat> he said this way, the truth is everyone's going to hurt you. Everyone's going to hurt you. You've got to choose the ones worth suffering for. And I think everyone in this room are worth suffering for. And I think one of the greatest thing, gifts that we give the world as a people is that we're not, we're not surprised or disgusted or disappointed by people and their brokenness and their sin. Neither is God. We're able to deal with a very difficult world. The world will make your skin thick. But being God's presence keeps your heart soft. I love the analogy of David who 
and one hand he was this warrior after battle he'd be you know literally you know having to kill people and defend his life and all those kind of things but at the same time also had the ability to write some of the most amazing songs and poems in the psalms you see a great example of a man who had thick skin but a tender heart you will struggle a lot you only struggle alone we take it keep it personal i'll take it personally and then third and finally the bigger the battle the greater the breakthrough The bigger the battle and the greater the, the breakthrough. You know, when, seem, when things don't seem worth it in your life, let me encourage you to worship. Yeah. That when you don't have the answer, when you don't have the perspective, you don't have the solution, God does. Yeah. And rather than turn to other human beings who don't have what we don't have, yeah. and just nattering about and then, and then following their advice, let's look to God, yeah. who understands exactly what's going on. Because here's what I believe, the, impact, the intensity of the battle that you're going through right now is probably the greatest indicator of the certainty of the breakthrough. God has not left you and God will not allow you to struggle perpetually with no end for no reason. There is purpose to your pain. There is a reason for your season. God is doing something. Even though we can't see, He's doing something right now in your life. And sometimes when we can't do anything, all we can do is worship. I acknowledge, God, I am not you. And I don't know. And I can't see, but you do. And what I do know is that you're good. And what I do know is that you're faithful. And what I do know, if I just stay in your presence and keep rooted in your word, somehow, somehow, you will get me through this. I want to encourage you that you may find yourself abandoned. That God is not done with you yet. You know, uh, my father right now is not physically here. He's not even in Ireland. Believe me, my father's in Spain. You know, which... If you feel good about that, good for you. I don't. I rang him the other day. I was like, where are you? I'm in Spain. What? You know? Anyway, but I can talk to my father right now. I can speak to my father right now. Not by some weird meditation, you know, tel- telepathy thing. I can just pick up my phone and I can call him. And you know, if my father sees me calling him at 11.17 on Sunday morning, you know what he's going to do? He's going to answer. He's going to think, Jamie should be in church. What's, something must be... A, He'll answer. And when, when I, when I, when I, no matter what I'm going through, no matter how difficult, how complicated, how complex, or how challenging, my father will be there for me in my time of need. Now, I'm lucky to have that kind of relation with my earthly dad. But whether or not you have that earthly dad, we all have it with our heavenly dad. That through the process of prayer and worship, no matter where we are in the world or what we're going through, we can call home. And here's what I want to tell you today, church. God, your father, will answer. No matter how bad, how difficult, how late, no matter how complicated things are, how ugly things may have gotten, your father will pick up the phone. I want to encourage you to be a person that when you find yourself in your struggle, when you find yourself without answers, when you find yourself in a desperate, desperate place, when you find yourself asking, is this worth it? We can turn to worship. We can turn our attention to heaven. We can look up, as Michael said, and say, God, I need you. I need you to do what only you can do because I've done all that I can do. Your battle has a purpose. And I believe there's a promise of breakthrough in your life. But I want to encourage you today that when you find yourself in these scenarios, not to just dismiss them, not to become a victim of your season, but to ask the question, God, what are you doing through this struggle? You know, I just want to give you, I'm going to invite the band to come, I want to pray, pray for you. I want to give you a moment just to reflect on this. As I was thinking about you know, how, how to close this message. I really felt, I really felt this idea. I, I three things, three things in the slides, so that they look really cool. Get, get friends. Hello, is that a good idea? Get friends. Have a God focus. But number three, 
Call your father. Call your father. And I really felt that third one. I really felt God, you know, impressing me to, to, just to focus on that one. I was great faith. It wasn't call your father. It is call your father now. But great faith is often any faith. And I don't know about where you are today, and maybe you're here, maybe you're a mother, maybe you're a single mother, maybe your mother's not here anymore, maybe you're not in a, you don't have a, a relationship with your mother. I, I don't know where you are in your marriage, with, with maybe friendship with your father. I don't know where you are in your faith. Maybe you're here and you're skeptical, and you're still trying to suss this thing out. Wherever you are today in this, in this, in this, in this thing called life, in this faith journey, I want to encourage you that you can phone home. That in this place, there's clear reception. This is not like Vodafone. It's clear reception. And sometimes, even though when we call our earthly parents, they can't change our circumstances, just hearing their voice can sometimes be enough to give us what we need to get through. I want to pray for you today that if you're struggling, that God's got a plan and a purpose for your life. He's not done with you yet. There's purpose in your pain. And that even though you'll struggle a lot, don't struggle alone. Find some friends. I want to pray for you. Maybe you're here and you're, 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 there's relationships in this church that you, you, you know, there's fences in your life with certain people. You don't talk to that person. Or you don't smile at that person. You don't, your family don't do, do, don't do family days with that person because of what was done. I want to encourage you today to tear down those fences. And I want to encourage you as we, as we sing this worship song to use this song as a moment to look up and say, God, I need your, I just need your, I need a sense of your presence. I need a sense of your promise. I need a sense of your goodness that when I leave this place today, even though nothing has changed, maybe everything will change because of the gift of perspective. Amen? I want you to stand. We're going to pray. I'm going to hand it over to Tom. Water you turn into wine Open the eyes of the
quick moment and block everyone around us. I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today. I believe God doesn't want you to just hear some information and leave this place. I, want, I believe he wants to experience transformation. And so you find yourself today going through a struggle right where you are. Just raise your hand real quick in this place. Maybe you're here today and you find yourself struggling alone. You're saying, God, I, I want to be connected to the community. Right where you are, raise your hand. Not for me to see, this is for God. It's just like Tom says, you owning your season. Maybe you're here right now and there's fences in your life that you would just believe to that God could tear down with the power of his Holy Spirit bring reconciliation and healing to our relationship with another person. Maybe right now you're going through a battle and you're barely surviving. Wrap your hands. Lift our hands to the Lord today. And if you're comfortable, if you want to, I want to encourage you, maybe begin to make your way to your seat and come forward. This is, this is an opportunity for you to draw near to God and say, God, I'm, I'm stepping out in faith. I'm taking the first step towards you, towards your promise. I'm taking a step of faith and trusting in you. I'm taking a step of faith saying, God, I, I want to be connected to some people. I want to go up and go before I go down. I want to see a breakthrough in relationships. It's right where you're at. If, if you're comfortable, come, begin to come forward. If you're saying, God, I want to call home today. When everything seems to be not worth it, I want to worship. I want to pray for you. Thank you for every single person in this place. I thank you for everyone who courageously has taken a step of faith and come forward. I thank you, God, because you take even the smallest of steps to be great faith. That every small step we take towards you, you take a giant leap towards us. And God, for these people right now who are struggling, I pray in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you comfort them in their struggle? Would you give them the gift of perspective? Would you encourage them? Would there be a word or a thought or a memory? Something, Lord, in today's service that would just speak to them. I pray for those who are struggling alone that today, even today, Lord, before they go home, they will just have a moment, a conversation, a connection. They'll talk to one of the pastors, one of the leaders, Lord, and find an expression of community that they can belong to. That in their greatest hour of need, they have friends. Help them to be a friend today. I pray for those right now, Lord, who have allowed... Uh, things to get into their hearts, to bitterness, to unforgiveness, for fences. I pray in Jesus' name, would you break down those fences. Tear down those walls, oh Lord. And somehow, Lord, begin to bring reconciliation, restoration. Maybe today that person is here. It means for us to go across a room and apologize or go across a room and say something, Lord. Maybe breaking down a fence is as simple as taking a step across a room to talk to someone. And lastly, I pray, Lord, as we stand in your presence, Holy Spirit, we just need you to come. Nothing can replace you. No worship team, no preacher, no message. Nothing can replace our need for you, Holy Spirit. And so right now, as we go back into this song, I pray, Lord, that you would pour out your spirit fresh in our lives. That, God, even though we're going through this valley, you go with us. And we thank you, Lord that you can comfort and you can heal and you can strengthen that even though we are weak with you we are strong in Jesus name we pray Amen to the darkness to shine and out of the ashes we rise
Jamie, for that stirring and challenging work. God bless you, brother. It's fabulous. Can we get a round of applause for our visiting speaker this morning? I'm going to ask you to raise your hands one last time as we close in prayer this morning. We're going to, I'm going to pray that we would have the antidote that Paul had when he said, he said, he said um, in one Corinthians, or Second Corinthians chapter four, when he said, "We do not fix our eyes on what is seen, but what is an unseen, because what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal." Lord Jesus, we pray as we go into this coming week that our perspective would be changed. Lord, that we lift our eyes up from the troubles that surround us and put them on the Put our eyes on the solution that is found in Jesus Christ. I pray our eyes will be fixed on what is eternal, not as what is not on what is temporary this week. And we pray that for all of our days. In Jesus' name, God's people say, Amen.